You're listening to Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio. Alright, good evening and welcome to Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio. You're here with your host, Lauren Smith. And tonight we have the the host of the Texas Bigfoot Conference, Mr. Craig Woolheater on. How are you doing tonight, Craig? Doing fine. How are you doing? Doing fabulous. I'm so glad to have you on tonight. I have a lot of questions and we were actually chatting before we went live and I was picking his brain and I told him that uh, I had a lot of questions about stuff that y'all probably just, you know, don't want to hear about, about the event planning and all the headache that goes with it. But um, the amount of work that he puts into this event is just, it's huge and it's so worth it in the end. But you guys, he has some great stories about that that we'll get into later. Um, so I kind of wanted to start, I mean, we'll just jump right in if that's okay. Sure. All right. So we're a week out from the event. So you look remarkably unstressed, first of all. (laughs) Well, I've I've done it. I have done this a few times. You've done this two decades, I believe is what it said. Two decades. Just about. That's crazy. I would still be a nervous wreck. I I would. Well, the day of, I I probably am until about lunchtime and then it's, it's all downhill from there. It's already, you know, rolling, like uh, gaining momentum down a hill. Yeah, nothing you can do about it. Better just roll with the punches. No, it's it just got to go. <laughs> I understand. Um, yeah, so I have an event in a couple weeks, and so I'm still in, like, scramble mode, I guess, you know, making sure that everyone knows what they're doing and who's on first. So, um, but the day of, you're right, the day of is just like, just, you know, let it roll. It's going to happen. Yeah, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and we just, you know, make the best of it. Correct. Um, all right, so I let's just go ahead and start. How did you get into the whole cryptozoology field? Well, it, it started out when I was a kid. Of course, I'm going to date myself here by talking, <laughs> mentioning dates, but um, when I was a kid, I um, was interested in weird and obscure you know, subjects. I was into dinosaurs and, you know, UFOs and, you know, just weird phenomena. And in the summer of 1969, um, I grew up here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But in the summer of 69, there was a pretty famous case that uh, took place that summer. It was the the Lake Worth Monster, um, just a little northwest of uh, downtown Fort Worth. There was reports of a seven foot tall, hairy, you know, bipedal being that was, you know, terrorizing people out at the, at the lake. Uh, back then, uh, now it's a, um, a, a Fort Worth nature center and refuge, but back then it was, you know, really just like a, a lover's lane type area mm-hmm. where the teenagers would go hang out and, uh, and park and stuff. But, uh, you know, that summer there was a, a, a whitish seven foot tall hair covered being that was being seen out there and was called the Lake Worth Monster. It was also called the Goat Man, but um, I don't believe it was, you know, a half goat, half man or anything. I believe it was just, uh, you know, a um, albino or, or white colored Bigfoot mm-hmm. that was running around out there. And it was pretty big news back then on July 10th and July 11th of 1969, it was actually on the front page of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. And 
And, you know, we're talking, you know, a little over a week from then was, you know, when man first landed on the moon mm-hmm. and the front a front page story was about some strange creature with, that was seen out at the lake. That's pretty significant. Uh, it, it's pretty significant that it made front page news when, you know, all the news of the day was, you know, got astronauts going to the moon. Mm-hmm. And that really got me interested. My, uh, I had a scrapbook when I was a kid and, you know, saved newspaper articles and magazine articles and, and photographs and stuff. And my grandparents lived in Fort Worth and, um, you know, saved me the front page of the, the paper for my scrapbook. And um, so there was that. And then um, about a month later, a local woman from Benbrook Sally Ann Clark had written a book, a short book about the Lake Worth monster. And I found that on, um, you know, this is long before your time, but on a magazine rack at a convenience store, you know, like the comic books used to be on a rotating rack and it was on there. And I saw that book, it was $2. And I, um, you know, I bought it and took it to my grandparents' house. And I read that book from cover to cover and, um, was just fascinated with it. And, um, my grandparents had a 26 foot cabin cruiser boat out on Eagle mountain Lake, which is just upstream across a dam from Lake Worth. And so, you know, we used to go out to the lake and stay on the boat, um, all the time. And, you know, my overactive nine-year-old brain was, you know, constantly thinking about the Lake Worth monster is going to, you know, come out Mm -hmm. and we're going to see him on the boat. Hang on just a second. I got a little bit of a cough. Yeah, that's all right. So there was that. And then about a year later, I um, traded a kid at school uh, for a book that he had brought to school. (coughs) Pardon. By um, John Keel, who also wrote the Mothman Prophecies. But he had written a book called Strange Creatures from Time and Space. Mm -hmm. And um, I had gotten that book that had you know, chapters about <clears throat> monsters and creatures all, all over the world. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, so I read that. And then, you know, three years later, I saw The Legend of Boggy Creek, um, you know, in its theatrical run at the theater when I was 13. And so that really cemented, those three things really cemented, you know, me being interested in this field and, um you know, after that, you know, I grew up and in my teen years, I was a boy scout and camped out in East Texas. And, you know, it was always like, you know, the Boggy Creek monster is going to be out here mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But unlike a lot of people, you know, I didn't really stay interested in the subject, um, you know, after my 20s. Um, you know, in the, the 70s were really the heyday of of Bigfoot reports that were in newspapers and, and, and a lot of coverage, news coverage. And, you know, you kind of drifted from my periphery, but the, um, the one thing that brought it, you know, right smack dab in my face was in 1994, I went with a group of friends to New Orleans for Memorial Day weekend. And we, you know, this is, pre-Google Maps, pre-MapQuest, pre-GPS. You know, we just laid out a, a, a road atlas and, and charted our course, what looked like the, the quickest route there. And we left Monday, I mean, Friday morning of Memorial Day weekend and 
you know, drove straight to New Orleans, left about 5.30 in the morning and got there about one o'clock. And, you know, when we were driving through Louisiana, it was, you know, broad daylight. So, it, you know, nothing looked, you know, unusual, but um, we had taken, like I said, 12 people went and we had five different cars. And so we all caravan there. But when it was time to leave on Monday, which was actually Memorial Day, May 30th, 94, uh, we all um, took off driving at separate times, depending on when, you know, whoever needed to be home. Mm -hmm. So my car that I had taken, um, had, I was with my girlfriend and a girl who lived in the same building that I did in Dallas. Uh, we didn't leave until about nine o'clock on Monday night. And, um, she had, the neighbor had to be at work the next morning. So she just slept in the back seat on the way. Well, as we were driving back, you know, the, the road that we had taken through central Louisiana, you know, in the daytime was just, you know, a, a highway out in the, out in the country, two lane highway. Well, as we, you know, swung around Baton Rouge and headed to Alexandria, it was now a two lane road out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night, you know, with uh, no lights, no traffic, no anything. I mean, it was very, Un, untraveled. It was actually Highway 71, the same highway that, you know, goes from Shreveport, you know, to Texarkana, right smack dab through Falk, Arkansas, mm -hmm. same Highway 71, but this is the part in Louisiana. And we were um, just driving along, and it's probably about 1130 at night. And um, my friend's asleep in the back seat. I had a little Azuzu Amigo, little Jeep type thing with the the top rolled up because, you know, it was about 70 degrees. It was May 30th. And, yeah. um, you know, in my headlights ahead, we saw, uh, you know, an object off to the right, um, you know, driving 70 miles an hour. I mean, we may have not seen it in more than, you know, seven or eight seconds, mm -hmm. but as we approached it, um, you know, it was a moving subject. It was, it was about seven foot tall. It was covered with hair and it was walking with its back to us. I mean, it wasn't a stationary object. It wasn't a burned out tree stump. It wasn't a horse. It wasn't a cow. It wasn't a gorilla. It wasn't a man in, you know, a mm -hmm. Bigfoot costume, in the middle of the woods. I, you know, as far as I can tell, because, right. you know, we're out in the middle of nowhere and mm -hmm. it's, you know, probably from the edge of the road to the tree line on the right hand side, it was probably about 30 feet. And, you know, we're talking somewhere about the middle of the, you know, recess out to the, from the road out to the tree line, it was about halfway out. So, you know, it was no more than 15 or 20 feet from the car. And, um, you know, it was actually walking. We drove past it, like I said, maybe saw it seven, eight seconds. And as we passed it, she and I both looked at each other and said, did you just see what I just saw mm -hmm. and agreed that we had. Yeah. And I said, well, what do you think you saw? And she goes, I think I saw a Bigfoot. And I was like, well, we got to stop. And she's like, no, we're not going to stop. Oh. Um, that was a paraphrase. There were a lot more bad words said in there. She was adamant about not wanting to. It was about 1130 on Monday night. You know, the sidewalks were rolled up. There was no lights on. It was just, you know, everything was shut down. Mm -hmm. So we drove through town and on the way out of town, we saw a, uh, uh, a little white church on the right hand side of the road, you know, with a big parking lot with a, uh, a light pole and a light on in the middle of the 
parking lot there. So we pulled in there. Uh, my friend was still asleep in the back seat. We pulled in there and stopped and, and talked for about 10 or 15 minutes about what we had seen and, and what we thought. And, you know, uh, it obviously wasn't a hallucination because both of us saw it. Right. Um, yeah. um, so then we got back on the road. We had to be back, you know, in Dallas the next morning because my friend had to be at work. So we got back on the road and, you know, I don't really remember talking about it after we got on the road. I mean, it was just something weird that happened to us. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember talking about it when we got home. I didn't, you know, I didn't tell friends or family or anything. It was just something that happened to us. And and here's what, you know, is going to sound weird for um, a lot of the younger listeners and yourself probably, but it wasn't <laughs> until three years late. It wasn't until you, three years later that I got on the internet. And, um, you know, one of the first things that I searched for was, you know, a Bigfoot and, um, you know, I found, you know, it certainly wasn't anything like it is now, you know, 23 years ago, there wasn't, um, a lot of websites. There were, you know, some message boards and forums and such. And, um, you know, a community of people who were interested in the subject, Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially down here in the South. And, um, you know, so I, 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 you know, logged on to there and, you know, and started talking about what had happened and, you know, telling people and, you know, met people and befriended people that were, you know, on the internet and on the message forums. And, you know, uh, I think your mom was probably even one of those, you know, back in the, back in the er early days of the late nineties, um, early two thousands back then. And, um, I met, uh, a gentleman, online by the name of Luke Gross and he and I communicated and he was working with another Bigfoot research group at that time, but was unhappy with um, the way things were going with them. And so we uh, decided to start our own organization, the Texas Bigfoot Research Center and, uh, you know, put up a, back then it was pretty cool, but, you know, looking back on a pretty cheesy angel fire website with a lot of flashing animations and stuff, but, you know, and put up a report submit a submission form and people, you know, started sending in their encounter reports. And then people started contacting us wanting to get involved with what we were doing. And so, you know, we started um, investigating areas where we had got gotten reports from going out to these areas and staking them out and, you know, mostly on, on private property in areas that we had permission from the property owners and, you know, things just started to snowball then, you know, we, um, Luke and I had gone in 2000 up to Ohio to the Ohio Bigfoot conference that had actually been going since 1989. And we went to that and, you know, and I, you know, looked around and said, you know what, you know, there's nothing like this in Texas. I bet I could, you know, I bet I could pull something like this off. Mm-hmm. And so started the planning stages uh, of the, um, you know, the first um, Texas Bigfoot conference then. Mm-hmm. It was, it's a big movement. It was a big movement for the South, but more specifically like our side of the South, you know, we didn't right. have anything like that. So, I mean, that in it, it not only gave, you know, researchers a place to get together and meet in person and, and hear people speak, but it gave people who were interested in this topic a place to go and learn about it. Because like you said, the, you know, chat, chat rooms were a thing, of course, but the internet wasn't what it is today. Right. You know, we didn't have YouTube. You know, and, 
and you know, I, you know, when I went to the Ohio conference, you know, I really, you know, bonded with the people up there and, you know, made to feel like, you know, longtime friends or family and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I've said since I started, you know, in Bigfoot research, which, you know, is in, in my uh, 21st year, you know, organized Bigfoot research that, you know, 50, 50% of, of this research community, whatever you, you want to call it is the camaraderie. I mean, I've met some of my very best friends in that I have in life. I've met, you know, through Bigfoot and, uh, you know, going out in the field with them and investigating and, you know, going to conferences, you know, conferences are a great place to network. I know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, downplay them. It's like, Oh, you know, you know, if you got free time, you should spend it out in the field investigating or whatever. But I mean, they're huge opportunities to network with mm-hmm. other researchers Definitely. Um, that, you know, are not, maybe not local to your area, but, you know, a state or two away that you can get together with and, and, you know, investigate, research, you know, uh, get together and commiserate, you know, mm-hmm. talk about research, you know, uh, opportunities or methods and, uh, you know, learn from each other. Yes, definitely. And, you know, it's kind of, it's a safe place to meet up as well. I mean, outings are great. I love meeting up with people and going out into the woods, but also you have to think, Sometimes it's not safe to meet up with complete strangers and go out into the woods with them. It's just <laughs> something, you know. Um, so, I mean, conferences are a great place to make uh, new research partners and go out and, you know, kind of in a safe space to see if they're weird, crazy, <laughs> all of that. Sure, well, we're all, we're all a little bit weird, I guess. But... We're all really weird, but, you know, there's like, you know, someone that wants to wear your skin weird, and then there's us. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah it, it is a little different. Yes, Um You know, you've been doing this for two decades and I mean, you've just, I kind of wanted to know from your vantage point, you've seen how much has it changed the Bigfoot community, well, the Bigfoot world and and the phenomena of Bigfoot, how much has it changed from the very beginning when you started this to now? Well, it doesn't, you know, back in the early days you know, the internet has helped and hurt mm-hmm. in my opinion, because, you know, back in, you know, back in the old days, um, you know, there wasn't a proliferation of hoaxing. Um, sure. You would get a report from somebody and go to try and investigate it and find out that, you know, the phone number wasn't any good or you'd make plans to meet up with somebody and they never show, or, you know, you'd talk to them on the phone and, you know, it'd be an obvious BS story. But, you know, nowadays it seems like there's just a proliferation of hoax videos, mm-hmm. um, you know, people, you know, making up stories, um, trying to pass off fake photographs or fake videos or, or, or whatever. But, I mean, you know, hoaxing goes way back. There's, you know, way before my day there were people that were, you know, making fake footprints and stomping around in the mud. You know, there was somebody that sent a hoax footprint to Professor Grover Krantz, um, you know, who was a university professor who was interested in the subject. And they sent him a hoax footprint that, you know, he looked at from just the cast and declared that he felt that it was real. And then after that happened, they came back and said, ha ha, we fooled you. 
you know. So, I mean, it, it's not really, you know, just nowadays, but the proliferation of it is is much more prevalent today than it used to be. Um, you know, in my opinion, when, you know, there's not a whole lot of motivation for somebody to submit a report to you and tag their name and phone number and even address to it. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, there's not, a, I can't see any benefit to somebody that could potentially out themselves as either a hoaxer or somebody who did see one of these. I mean, you know, we, um, you know, we promise, you know, um, anonymity, you know, we don't release witnesses names. We don't, you know, release uh, a location where, you know, a report was, was stated, you know, all we do is, you know, tag it to a County and, you know, in Texas, we have 254 counties. And even if you have, you know, the name of a County that usually covers quite a bit of territory to try and narrow stuff down. Right. So, I mean, the fact that you're offering them anonymity, you know, helps with them coming forward Absolutely. with a sighting report, because if they didn't have that assurance, you know, most, most anybody wouldn't be interested in, in sending a report in no. if they had to worry, you know, that their name was going to be outed. And, but, you know, conversely, I can't see any motivation to send in a report you know, with your legitimate name, address, phone number, email address attached to that because somebody's going to follow up with you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we followed up on every report that we got that wasn't obviously blatantly hoaxed. That, you know, it was obvious a story made up. But, you know, when somebody, you know, submits a report and you can, you know, we tried to go and investigate it in person, on site, with the witness there, where it happened, and determine, you know, if the habitat was there, if the environment looked like, you know, that there would, you know, be a legitimate reason for a Bigfoot to be in the, in the area traveling through or, you know, hanging out for a while. And, you know, when somebody tells you that they've had a sighting, had an encounter, there's only a couple of, you know, a couple of different possibilities in my mind, you know, number one, you know, they could be lying to you and just making it up. Right. You know, number two, they could have been hoaxed by someone else that, you know, they didn't know anything about. Number three, I guess there's a possibility that they could be, you know, on narcotics or drugs <laughs> or alcohol and hallucinating. You know, they could be mm -hmm. misidentifying known wildlife or a person. Or, you know, to me, the only other possibility is that they say that the, you know, saw what they say they saw. Mm -hmm. And if that's the, if that's the case for even one report, then there's something out there, you know, to be investigated and to be looked into. And, you know, even if I throw out all the hundreds of people that I've talked to that said that they've seen one over the past 20 plus years, you know, I have my own experience that I can't explain away. I mean, right. no, I don't know a hundred percent that it was, you know, a Bigfoot. But I didn't stop. I didn't investigate. But, I mean, I don't think there, you know, I know a whole lot of what it wasn't. Like I said, it wasn't a person mm -hmm. in a costume. It wasn't a person in a ghillie suit. It wasn't a horse. It wasn't a burned out tree stump that was stationary. You know, it was something that was moving, walking, and it had its back to us. And it didn't deviate from its path. When the headlights hit it, it didn't run off. I mean, it just kept in a steady pattern in the direction that it was walking, which was parallel to the road with its back to us. And see, there's so many people that, you know, you hear an encounter and people are like, oh, they made that up. And it's like, 
you don't know how hard it is for people to come forward. Like these shows, Finding Bigfoot and Sasquatch Chronicles and all of these things have made it easier for people to come forward. But most mm-hmm. places, it's still taboo to talk about this. I mean, it's not acceptable water cooler talk. Like people really can't talk about Bigfoot without getting a weird look. So when somebody does come forward, that usually means a lot. Sometimes maybe they do want attention. You know, sometimes maybe they're crazy or they do want attention. Yeah, that's going to happen in mm-hmm. any anything that you research. But for the most part, if they do come forward, it's usually pretty hard for them to do so. True. I mean, I've, I've talked to, you know, grown men, hunters and such who, you know, on the phone, you know, have broken down crying, telling me their story because they've never been able to tell anybody else or they tried to tell somebody else and they were laughed at or called names. You know, I've had, you know, grown men that have said that I've never even been able to tell my wife this story because I wasn't comfortable with talking about it. And for a lot of people, you know, it's a cathartic experience, you know, right. to talk to somebody about something that, you know, was a traumatic experience for them when it happened. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I've done rep- like a paper, I've done papers on this before for my psychology classes that say, you know, how this can, this can ruin lives. You know, this, when you see something like that, you have an, an experience, an encounter like that, with, you see something that big or that scary. Shocking. Yeah, that's not supposed to exist. It's not supposed to be on this planet. And it your brain can't handle it. And yeah. there's sometimes there's a lot of PTSD from that. Sometimes, you know, it will... It will mess with somebody so bad that it ruins their marriage. You know, they lose their job. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a serious thing that people don't really take seriously on that part. They're like, oh, you saw Bigfoot. You're crazy. And it's like, (laughs) no, you don't understand. Like, this really messes with some people because it's not supposed to exist, but it does. And they don't believe until they see it. And when they see it, they can't, their brain can't handle it. Right. I agree. Yeah. I've done a lot of papers on that. And um, it's, you know, and, and, and. For that fact, researching Bigfoot, I mean, researching it has ended marriages and um, caused problems and, you know, lost jobs. I mean, it's, we don't, you know, we willingly do this and we know what we're sacrificing whenever we go out into the field, you know, every single weekend to look for this thing. And Mm -hmm. um, I always tell, because I, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years with my mom and I still have not had a sighting. And I always tell her, I said, you know, I feel like a dog chasing a car. Like, what am I going to do when I catch it? Like, what am I going to do with it? (laughs) I think I'm going to be able to handle it, but I probably won't. Yeah. I mean, you know, in the years that I've been doing this, you know, in an organized fashion, I've never had another sighting myself. Um, I've had experiences out in the woods um, where, you know, I believe that one or more of these has been around, mm-hmm. heard um, strange vocalizations, um, had, um, you know, I wouldn't say I've ever heard wood knocks, but we've heard, you know, like a green branch being stressed and then snap and sound like a gunshot and uh, actually had a parabolic dish um, hooked up to a tape recorder. And, you know, when you play back the, the tape, you can hear, you know, the, the branch being stressed um, and then snap. And we actually heard, you know, after the snap, you could hear something that went Ooh, like that, like exerting energy, you know, that it 
was stressing yeah. a branch and broke and, and then, you know, was a release like that. Um, uh, you know, found strange footprints that um, out in East Texas, the, the best footprints I've ever seen in the ground were um, on the east, on the, excuse me, on the west side of Lake Tawakany, mm -hmm. uh, between Greenville and Terrell. Uh, we had hiked in along a creek that fed into Lake Tawakany. And um, on the way back out, we had hiked in about three miles. It was actually on January 27th of 2001. It was 39 degrees and it was drizzling. And we had a group of about 15 or 16 people out there hiking, you know, looking for evidence. And we had hiked in about three miles towards the lake. And we had turned around and hiked out a different way. We fanned out in a big grassy meadow and, um, you know, spaced out about, you know, 10 feet apart. Uh, you know, like, you know, hunters on a, a drive, you know, trying to, you know, flush something out or whatever. But we were looking at the ground as we went out because it was, you know, it was kind of muddy at that point. And, you know, we actually found a trackway of three tracks that were 16 inches long with five toed, you know, five toed tracks. Mm -hmm. And that were um, the first set were 52 inches apart mm -hmm. from toe to heel and the second set were 48 inches. And, um, you know, we only saw three tracks, but uh, definitely feel that they were legitimate tracks. Um, they were, you know, much larger than a human foot, normal human foot. Um, and, uh, you know, we this was a random, you know, the area we had come out. Um, you know, if people are going to hoax, and people will, you know, we've had footprint finds, you know, in you know, reported to us and gone out there and found tracks, you know, on the roadway, on the shoulder, you know, like near a creek or something. But the fact of the matter is if somebody's going to hoax you, you know, there's got, there's got to be a payoff for the hoaxer. You know, the payoff has got to be, you know, that, that somebody's going to find the footprints. Now I can't see somebody hiking in out in the middle of nowhere, two miles in off the road mm -hmm. and putting three tracks in the ground mm -hmm. and then hope, somebody's going to wander, you know, across them because it was just random that we walked there. Um, nobody knew we were going there. It was, you know, and the fact of the matter is, you know, it was really, oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I keep waiting for was, that to happen to mine. I do every show. <laughs> I, um, you there know, we go. You're good. Waiting for, um, <laughs> you know, somebody to run across them. But mm -hmm. You know, nobody knew we were going out there, um, and I just can't see that somebody was able to go out there and, and put some footprints down and hope that we, we wandered across. I mean, this was one of the first, you know, large organized outings we had done. Um, you know, back in the 1999, 2000, and 2001, it was really just me and Luke and maybe a couple of other people. There weren't a lot of people involved, but in 2001 – we got a huge influx of people that wanted to get involved. And um, so, you know, we, we took off, you know, on that day, like I said, it was only 39 degrees and drizzling and, you know, pretty miserable conditions to be out tromping around in the mud. But, you know, people were interested enough in what we were doing to go out there and look. And 
you know, we weren't prepared to cast the footprints, which, you know, um, I wish we had, you know, cause like I said, it's the best footprints I've, I've ever seen. And, and, you know, we're coming up on 20 years since I saw those, um, you know, just figured that, you know, Hey, we ran across these, you know, first time we really went out and looking, you know, we're probably going to run across these a lot more often and have opportunities to cast them. But, um, we didn't, we took pictures and, you know, uh, pictures of footprints just don't come up, you know, show you any detail. It's just, it you know, an impression in the mud. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately we didn't cast them. So, um, but, you know, those were the best cast that, you know, tracks that I ever saw in the ground and, and failed to cast them. Yeah. Um, that actually, my mom, she had that same situation. She said she's only ever found, you know, really one set of really castable, uh, footprints and she didn't cast them at that time. Mm-hmm. So, um, some I people call it the Bigfoot curse, you know, it, that, it's the big you know, your equipment curse. batteries die just, you yes. know, when you're out in the field and, and ready to start recording or, Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you hear something and your recorder's not turned on mm-hmm. or, or you're not prepared to, you know, collect the evidence. You know, you know it's yes. called the Bigfoot curse, unfortunately. It's, it is. It's the Bigfoot curse. And it, it's happened. I mean, everyone I know and myself included, it's happened to us all at least once. And it's, um, mm-hmm. you know, Dustin and I, we had uh, gone out with uh, Stephen Hill and I don't, I'm not sure if Michael Waldy was there, but we went out with a bunch of people and we were standing there because I had heard something um, in the woods. And Mm -hmm. he said, Oh, it's acorns falling. And I said, it's really not though. I said, there's something else. So we're standing there and all of a sudden, I think it was a screech owl. Um, Dustin had his recorder and he turns it off and he goes, well, I guess that's it. He turns off his recorder and this thing busts loose out of the woods. I mean, enough to make us all jump as loud Uh as it could. And he just looks at me and he just almost throws his recorder back in the woods. He was so <laughs> mad. He missed it. And he just walks back to the truck and leaves me yeah. standing in the woods by myself. And I'm like, okay, seriously? <laughs> but that's yeah. a big foot curse for sure. That and yeah. um, uh, you'll always be broke. If you want to get into Bigfoot, like you'll be doing fine financially. You get into Bigfoot, all of a sudden you will be broke. More broke than you've ever known. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a, a, a cheap, inexpensive hobby. I mean, really you know, my opinion is that technology is finally going to catch up with these, um, whatever you want to call them, creatures, mm-hmm. uh, beings, you know, animals, whatever, that, you know, technology is, you know, rapidly increasing with, you know, back when we started out, I mean, the, the biggest thing was, you know, night vision and, yeah. you know, it was really expensive and not very good, you know, back yes. in the late 90s. And, right. You know, we've come out with, you know, first gen, second gen, third gen night vision, and then there's military grade. And mm-hmm. and now we have, you know, affordable um, FLIR, thermal, thermal capabilities. And, you know, while, you know, even with night vision, you know, things can blend into the background. I, I think these things are, are master's of the don of their domain. Yeah, I think that, absolutely. you know, people that talk about them cloaking mm-hmm. or disappearing, I think these things can just blend into their surroundings. Mm-hmm. You know, they're typically, you know, a lot of them are brown or black or, mm-hmm. or, you know, red burgundy or, you know, whatever. And, and, you know, can blend into the foliage and, and, you know, I've gotten tons of, well, not tons, but reports of people, saying, you know, they were hunting and, you know, they heard a, a stick snap or heard something behind them and turned around and, 
uh, you know, one hunter in particular that was up near the, the Red River, uh, just south in Texas, you know, heard that and turned around and saw what he thought was a burned out stump. Mm-hmm. Stand, you know, just, you know, um, I don't remember what distance, but, you know, thought that's what it was. And so he, you know, pulled his rifle and his scope up to his eye and looked at it. And he saw that it was, you know, a Bigfoot that was mm-hmm. standing perfectly still there. And he had it in his sights. And he said, you know, if I had wanted to, I think I could have put a bullet in its head. And, but he didn't feel the need to, he he didn't feel threatened threatened by, by it. He didn't feel, you know, first of all, he didn't know, you know, for a fact that it wasn't a human in a suit, you know, it looked, you know, so close to a hairy human that he didn't feel that it was right to. And then he heard another sound over his left shoulder and he looks over behind him to see what it was. And when he turned around, it was gone. And he feel, he felt that it didn't have time to, you know, he didn't hear any noise. He didn't, he didn't feel that it had time to run out of his vision. You know, it was in a a fairly good clearing at a, a creek bed he felt more likely that it had dropped down into grass that was probably about knee level with this thing, you know, maybe uh, two and a half, three feet tall grass that was in this field. And he said, you know, that really, that really scared him when he thought about it, that this thing could have, you know, disappeared and, and be hitting, hiding in the grass, you know, that close to him. So he left everything there and, and, and his equipment, you know, and loaded up, went to his his truck loaded up and left and left everything there and you know i've had you know people that told me you know the the two over the years compiling all the cases the two most frequent sighting reports are a number one from hunters and fishermen Mm -hmm. outside and number two are you know basically road clearings uh, you know crossings people seeing something um, you know, cross the road in their headlights or even be able to see something, you know, off to the side of the road, you know, looks like a big, you know, pile of garbage bags or whatever, but actually as they pass to look in the rearview mirror and see something stand up and cross the road behind them in their mirror. I mean, but those are the two most frequent are, you know, people that are out in the woods, you know, for long periods of time and spend time out there. And, you know, I feel for the most part that most sightings are an accident on the Bigfoot's part. I don't think, you know, I think that they are pretty wary of of man, Mm -hmm. but it's a catch 22 because they also seem to be very curious of man too. Um, You know, I've heard, I've gotten lots of reports of, of people that live, you know, in rural communities out in the country and maybe a woman washing the dishes at night in the in the kitchen and look out the kitchen, Mm -hmm. the sink right over the window, right over the sink and see a big face looking in, you know, Adam or Mm -hmm. a family watching TV and hear a noise and and look out the window and see, you know, something, a large silhouette outside. Um, They, you know, I've gotten reports of actually, um, you know, people that have had visuals of something, you know, boy scouts, um, uh, college kids that were out, camping with the professor 
of being asleep in their tents at night or whatever, and something creeping into their campsite and going through their backpacks or whatever, mm -hmm. and somebody hearing something and waking up and sticking their head out, you know, their tent flap and see something big take off running. I mean, the one instance I'm talking about with the college kids and the professor, um, they actually, you know, they found a footprint there where this thing had taken off and actually cast the footprint. You know, this is back, you know, probably in the, in, in the sixties, it was a, a fairly older gentleman that talked about, you know, when he was in college that that happened, but you know, these things come around civilization, but for the most part, um, you know, they try and, and be wary of man and not, um, I think, trying not to be seen, you know, seem to walk in places where they're not going to leave footprints. You know, I think a lot of the times footprints are, are, you know, maybe left by accident or, or in a, in a place where they're not able to, you know, walk on stones or on rocks or whatever to avoid leaving footprints because, you know, like the three footprints I found, there was no other prints around. I, I mean, you know, some people will say, well, you know, maybe he was in a UFO and it set down and, yes. you know, and then he got beamed up or something. You know, I don't believe any of that. I believe these are flesh and blood creatures, yes. you know, that are so far, as far as I know, you know, undiscovered, uncataloged by science. No, I agree. Um, you know, I think a lot of sightings, my personal opinion, um, a lot of them might be curious. I think a good chunk of them are juveniles being curious. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think a good portion of them, and this is my personal, you know, belief is a good portion of them are distractions. Um, they're right. distracting you from the rest of the group that are trying to cross or, you know, move and, um, mm -hmm. because a lot of them, it'll be, you know, the road crossings, those I, I couldn't tell you, but I know a lot right. of other sightings I'll hear, and just a lot of the situations I've been in, it always seems like they're trying to direct your attention over here and then something happens over here. And like, cause I, at least twice I have had a flare on something and I, something get thrown at me or something get thrown near me. I look over, mm -hmm. I look back at the flare, whatever I had it on is gone. And that has happened to me twice. And along mm -hmm. with other just, stuff along those lines. And so I know that they are masters of, of distraction. Um, right. you know, they, my kids could take notes from them. They are really good at it. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's my, my theory is distraction. And then juveniles, juveniles are just, they're curious little things. And, you know, they're just like any human juvenile in that they're rebellious and they don't listen and they're going to go get into right. trouble. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. Yes. Um, I wanted to ask you about Cryptomundo. So how did okay. that get started? What is it? How long has it been running? <laughs> well, that got started uh, back in 2004, actually, is when the idea um, came up for it. Um, my younger brother is an IT professional and had been watching, you know, um, things in the, in the um, IT world. And blogs and stuff like that were really, you know, start just starting to take off. Um, there was a lot of um, communities uh, that were, you know, provided forums for people to talk about uh, things. And, and there were, you know, themed um, communities. There was like uh, Dogster and Catster, actually, that were, 
you know, communities of, you know, dog owners or breeders and cat, really? you know, there was ones, you know, directed at, you know, uh, cars and, you know, just different hobbies that, yeah. you know, that, that things that breeded these. And so, uh, you know, my brother, you know, being in the IT field and, and knowing, you know, what I was into, you know, approached me with, you know, what do you think, you know, if we could come up with something like that, you know, that was aimed at the, you know, the cryptozoology world. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just coined the name Cryptomundo, you know, taking crypto from cryptozoology, which meant, you know, cryptozoology is, you know, the study of hidden mm-hmm. or unknown animals. And Mundo is Spanish for world. And so I just, you know, put a little uh, Latin and, and Spanish together and came up with Cryptomundo, which just meant... <laughs> you know, the world of cryptozoology. Right. So we started, we started that. And, um, you know, I called in, um, some of my colleagues, uh, from the start, it was myself and Lauren Coleman and Rick Knoll, longtime Bigfoot researcher and John Kirk, uh, the president of the British Columbia scientific cryptozoology club. And, um, it, it really took off, um, I, I remember the the biggest thing that ever happened to us. Uh, we had planned, and we used you know it used to get a ton of travel. And in August of 2008, when the Georgia Bigfoot hoax came out with the Bigfoot costume that was frozen in a block of ice in a freezer, mm-hmm. and was then thawed out, uh, you know that actually crashed our servers with millions and millions and millions of people, you know, just overwhelmed the servers and, and the website was down for a week. Mm -hmm. It took us, Oh, it was thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars from uh, my brother had an IT guy that, that, you know, built the back end of the site, uh, you know, upgrading servers. And, you know, it, it was, crazy. And, you know, it took a week to finally get it up, you know, upgraded and back online uh, from that crash. Um, I can't remember the actual date. I'm, I'm thinking it was August 8th of 2000, um, 2008 when um, the Georgia hoax came out. Uh, but we covered that, you know, everything that came out about that. And, you know, there's been a lot of stories Um the biggest problem with the site now is that just the, um, you know, lost a lot of the um, ad networks that supported it before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just kept down the, you know, the metrics of what they paid, you know, cause that site we used to update, you know, almost hourly uh, back in the day with new content and everything, but it just got to the point where, um, it really wasn't making, a, uh, you know, a whole lot of money anymore that, you know, was worth, you know, people basically working almost around the clock to work on it. Right. So, um, you know, it's basically kind of just transitioned to um, Facebook now. The updates mm-hmm. and such are just post updated stories to Facebook. And, you know, the site's still up and it's still archived. Of You know, it went online in on September 27th, I believe of 2005. So, I mean, it's, it's been up and online for over 15 years now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, blogs, you know, really aren't, 
you know, what they used to be so much, you know, mm-hmm. now you get TikTok and, you know, Snapchat <laughs> yeah. and, you know, yeah. all these different things, you know, you know, um, Cryptomundo, you know, really uh, predated Facebook, uh, you know, um, you know, MySpace was still a thing mm-hmm. when Cryptomundo first came out. So <laughs> yeah. it's, um, you know, the world has kind of moved on. It's it, like I said, you know, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of articles that are archived that, you know, can go back through and, you know, see the stories when they broke and, mm-hmm. you know, interesting stories and, you know, a lot of photographs that were unveiled on that site. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a treasure trove of, you know, archived material, but yeah. um, it's just not uh, being updated like it used to be. No, I mean, and it's it's not feasible to bring all of that over to a new platform either. I mean, it's just, no. yeah, I had to do that with Nightcallers. I had to go back through our 300 shows and download every one of them to move them to YouTube. And it, it's it worth takes it. A lot of time. it. It takes a lot of time. It's worth it because there's great information. There's people who, you know, have been in the Bigfoot community who have since passed. And so right. having that up there as memorials, great. But um, yeah, it was, it's a lot of content. So, you know, I think just keep promoting it as, you know, yeah, it's, it's it still out. up there as an archive. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you can still go to cryptomundo.com and, and search the archives, you know, with, keywords or you know right. dates and and go back and and look up all this information that is archived and, and it's not going to go away um it's unfortunately um you know in this day right now not being updated very frequently but um that doesn't mean it won't in the future mm-hmm. but just right now i don't have the time to to keep up on it and uh but you know like i said i, I forget how many actual posts are up there um but it's you know fifteen thousand or something you know post individual posts with photographs and and stories and eyewitness testimony and videos and and all kinds of stuff that is still up there for people to um to go look up the archives i mean it's it's great to it's a great like you said a great archival um place to reference when they can need to go look at something um so i say keep it up i know it's you know um, a little bit of work to keep it up even, but, uh, I mean, we can't it's lose all that good data. Good, good. Yeah, I mean, we can't lose all that good data. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, and it comes in handy because, you know, new people are, are getting involved when the, with the subject. And, you know, I see people on Facebook post, well, you know, look at this picture I found, you know, what do you think? And I can go, you know, 10 years back and, and pull up an article, a post that was on Cryptomundo and, and link it and say, you know, that picture was, you know, being passed around on the internet 10 mm-hmm. years ago. I mean, it's nothing yes. new. It's, uh, you know, and, and it was found to be, you know, or, or the people who did it, you know, fessed up that it was hoaxed or, right. or whatever, you know. Yeah. I, I kind of wish there was, you know, just, I, I guess there is through Cryptomundo. I just need to pull up those links and reference those and then share them on the Nightcaller's Facebook group page that if you see the beaver paw, the hairless <laughs> raccoon, um, <laughs> yeah. there's there's quite a few that it's just they're notorious to all of us who have been doing this a long time. They're notorious as like, that's already been proven. It's already been proven. But yeah, the newcomers, you can they don't just know that. You know, just go to Google and put in Cryptomundo and, yeah. you know, Beaver Paw or, or yeah. you know, Bear, you know, the, the Hand of Unknown Origin 
you know, the, the supposedly the Bigfoot hand and, and mm-hmm. pull up, you know, photographs and, and stories and, you know, Dr. Jeff Meldrum's opinion or, or whatever, you know, comparing it to, you know, uh, the skeleton of a bear's paw, which, mm-hmm. you know, when it's the, the claws are, are clipped off and it's the, the fur is gone, you know, looks remarkably like a human hand. Right. Yeah, I'll definitely have to do that. And uh, I, I advise anyone else to as well before you share a uh, photo. Uh, go make sure that it's not something else first. Yeah, you um, know, do a Google, a Google image search. And, yeah, do and, that. I mean, and pull you know, it up to see when it was posted online. Yes, and you know, I try to be nice to people because there's so many newcomers. They're excited about this, and so they post something, and so I try to gently tell them, like, you know, hey, um, that's been posted about ten times in the past week alone, and it's not real. <laughs> but um, but they don't know. They're excited. I appreciate their enthusiasm, but. Um, yeah, you gotta you gotta check your sources before you post something. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you have been in uh, on TV shows and documentaries and films. <laughs> yeah, I've I've uh, you know done some. I've you know been on a couple of uh, Finding Bigfoots, uh, Monster Quest, um, 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 Monsters and Mysteries in America. Um, you know, I've advised, been a technical advisor on, you know, a couple of Bigfoot films and, and, you know, I'm really more a behind the scenes person, even at my own conference, you know, I don't, I don't generally speak. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't give a presentation. I've given presentations at other conferences, but I, I generally don't even speak at my own conference. I'm, I'm more the organizational person and the person, you know, I'm fine to be the person behind the scenes. You know, making the uh, event go off, um, you know, um, in a good fashion and giving, you know, people have an entertaining uh, event to go to uh, and not, you know, being up in front and saying, look at me, look at me. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm not that I'm not that person. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to be behind the scenes for the most part. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. I'm the same way. Um, everyone's like, then why do you do a YouTube channel in front of, you know, thousands and thousands of people? And I'm like, it's different. I'm sitting in my house. Like, you know, I'm wearing my fuzzy penguin slippers right now. (laughs) I'm not in front of all these people. Uh, or it didn't happen. (laughs) I need some big slippers and then I'll post pictures of my fuzzy slippers. Let's see that. Let's see the flamingo (laughs) slipper. They're, they're not cute. They're not cute. Sure they are. (laughs) Um, now, but you know, I, I'm the same way. Um, yeah, I, 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 I like putting on events for people because I love for people to have a good time. You know, you're mm-hmm. a host. That's what you do. You want people to have a good time. And even the stress of running it once I'm there and see everyone having a good time, it's worth it. Um, right. but back to the, um, the Texas Bigfoot conference. So I did have a few more questions. You have certainly two decades, you know, worth. Um, so what was your favorite Texas Bigfoot moment? Texas Bigfoot conference moment. I'm sorry. Probably my favorite. Well, there's been a lot of favorites, been a lot of cool things that have happened, but uh-oh, low battery. <gasps> disappeared um, on me. <laughs> but uh, one of the coolest uh, conferences was definitely the 2005 
uh, Bigfoot conference in Jefferson. We um, had gotten a lot of publicity leading up to that event. Um, in the October issue of Texas Monthly, there was a seven-page article about um, – it was on the cover, actually. I mean, the picture wasn't, but it said Bigfoot in East Texas, mm -hmm. uh, question mark, on the front cover of Texas Monthly, which is a, a pretty big magazine here in the state. Um, there was a two-page article in the October issue of Texas Highways, um, that magazine, about us and the conference. There was um, – that conference was a, a two-day conference, Saturday and Sunday of that year in um, in October, and we had over 500 people that attended that event over two days. And um, it was actually a crawler on CNN on the bottom, oh as it said, you know, Bigfoot Conference in Texas draws hundreds. You know, scrolling across the screen on CNN. Uh, we actually had a, a front page story and photograph in USA Today in the in the life section um, of USA Today. You know, a picture from the event it was actually Ken Gerhard holding a, a Bigfoot cast um, that was in USA Today. And um, we held um, our catered dinners and and special events out at a, a big plantation. Um, spread out outside of Jefferson. Mm -hmm. And we actually had um, a, a, a Sasquatch Bigfoot enthusiast who is a professional Elvis impersonator. And we had a friend of mine who's a singer-songwriter from Shreveport, but is in Austin now. But she came out with her band and played on the front, front porch of this big plantation home with all the people standing out in the front yard. Oh and... Um, she um, played some songs, some of her music. She had um, written uh, a special Bigfoot song for me, the Bigfoot Bayou Boogie, uh, and invented a dance for it. And then had customized one of my favorite songs and rewritten it as a Bigfoot song. And and then Elvis came out and performed on the on the front porch there. And Jeff Meldrum, this was the first time he ever came to Texas for our conference, and he's just standing out in the front yard watching this at a Bigfoot conference, watching an Elvis concert yeah. and just standing there like he can't believe it. And he, he told me later, he said, I was just standing there waiting for, uh, for a spaceship to sit down on the lawn, you know? <laughs> um, and you know, that was a very, very special event. It was really cool. And, um, um, like I said, we got a lot of publicity and, and, you know, uh, Jefferson has, uh, you know, really, um, you know, kind of taken the Bigfoot thing under the, under its wing. I mean, um, in that year, 2005, they had, um, the mayor at the time had issued a town proclamation, uh, stating that the third weekend in Jefferson in October was officially Texas Bigfoot weekend. Oh. And then in 2016, they issued a town proclamation for the 15th anniversary of the first conference. And then in February of 2018, uh, they actually issued a proclamation that Jefferson was the Bigfoot capital of Texas. And they have, um, you know, gone out and gotten 
you know, a six foot tall or so concrete Bigfoot statue. And it's there, you know, in the middle of town, right across from their tourism building. Um, and a lot of the shops now are, are, you know, picking up on it and, and selling Bigfoot t-shirts mm -hmm. and, and trinkets and things, you know, the, um, uh, what is it? It's um, the Caddo, is it Bayou Cafe? I can't remember the exact name. I'm drawing a blank, but um, a restaurant there in town serves a Sasquatch burger. That's a great big giant hamburger. Oh and and one of the uh, the bars there in town that's also a restaurant, Annie Skinner's, mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years ago had a, um, like a food show that came through town and they made, they made a, um, a, a Sasquatch or Bigfoot burger that was like two patties on a, on a, a you know, a, um, I can't even think of the name of them. Cheesesteak sandwich, a cheesesteak sandwich within two <laughs> cheeseburger patties and, and, you know, challenge people to try and finish it. Um, oh. So the town has really, you know, adopted it and gotten behind it and, um, you know, has embraced it. Like I said, that there's, uh, people that are, um, you know, with this, the Chamber of Commerce and stuff mm -hmm. that are, are, you know, behind this and, yeah. you know, adding Sasquatch, you know, statues and, mm -hmm. and stuff to town to, to really take advantage of it. Because, you know, there's, uh, you know, my conference there is only once a year, but, you know, people, you know, you've been to Falk. I mean, people come to mm -hmm. Falk every day just to see the Monster Mart. Right. It or, helps the town you know, economy. Yeah. You know, and, and take pictures with the cutout or, or right. with the mural or whatever. And so, you know, Jefferson is a tourism town, and so they've gotten behind it. And, you know, one of the big tourist draws there now is, you know, it's a Bigfoot capital of Texas, and there's a Bigfoot statue you can get your picture made with and and, and such as that. Yeah, no, it, you know, it helps the town economy for sure. Sure. Um, so Michael Waldy said that uh, he asked, if you do the Bigfoot Bayou Boogie, then I'll show you my slippers. <laughs> no, that's not fair. I think that that's it. As, no, as that's I remember not it. it. So, so <laughs> that's not go it. ahead and prop a slipper up on, come on. Nope. You're gonna have Come to just—you're just gonna have to owe me a dance for next weekend, I guess. Um. <laughs> um, and then, so we had another question. Um, he, Michael, wanted to know who was your personal favorite guest. My personal favorite guest as a guest speaker. Um, yeah, or just guest, guest to have on a show. Um, uh, I don't know who. I don't know what he means. Uh, you know, as a a favorite guest speaker that I've had at my conference, I would probably go back to uh, Dr. John Bendernagel, who was a wildlife biologist, unfortunately passed away in January of uh, 2018. Mm -hmm. um, after only, you know, 10 days before announcing that he had, you know, had, um, you know, um, terminal cancer. And then 10 days later he was gone. Um, he was the most genuine person I ever met, you know, a degree biologist, uh, a scientist. Um, but, you know, in this field, you'll find a lot of people like to talk about themselves. Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he was a good listener. He um, listened 
and uh, took notes. And, you know, a lot of people, I know a lot of people I've talked to, you can tell that they're not even really listening. They're, they're already formulating what they're going to say to yes. you as soon as you're through talking. And, and he was the exact opposite of that, a humble man, um, a great, a great man. And um, he's sorely missed in this world because if I, I'm, I am strictly no kill, but if I ran across um, a hunter called me and said, Hey, um, I accidentally shot something and, you know, I'd, I'd like to, you, to show you this or, you know, or somebody ran across a roadkill that was on the side of the road, you know, he would have been the first person I'd called and, and flown down here to come see it. Uh, right. Jeff Meldrum is right up there as well. He's um, a very uh, knowledgeable man, uh, you know, studies locomotion. Um, bipedal locomotion is his specialty, you know, from primitive humans, you know, fossilized footprints. And, uh, you know, I feel that he's um, a good candidate to look at a trackway or cast tracks and to um, offer up his expert opinion on whether um, it would be legitimate, you know, something that could, you know, actually walk on two feet. Yeah, no, I have to agree. Um, yeah, one of, we've we've lost a lot of the greats in this community. Um, there have been quite a few who have passed on. And, um, you know, I'm just, it's hard to live up to people like that, too, because they're good people. Yeah. Like, down to the Another court. one of my very favorite people was William Dranginis, yes. um, who, you know, pioneered, really, the use of thermal imaging um, in Bigfoot research, um, he was a government contractor and worked on a lot of top secret projects, electronics and such. And, and he had an incredible sighting back in 1996 that he was out uh, metal detecting and prospecting with two FBI agents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they heard something. And one of the guys, the, the you know, FBI guys, you know, they're trained to observe, you know, pointed and said, you know, so far away behind that tree, there's something or someone behind there. And it darted out behind the tree and into a creek bed and disappeared. And, you know, he had, you know, two expert eyewitness people with him and himself. And he then, you know, poured his life and um, a lot of money into um, trying to film um, he bought uh, property with, you know, with a house and acreage out in prime territory and, you know, spent a lot of time and money and effort to try and get, uh, you know, credible evidence of these things. And, you know, unfortunately, he, um, you know, had pancreatic cancer and, you know, that cancer is usually not um, found until, you know, stage four until right. it's too late. And, mm -hmm. and you know, he... Um, lived another 18 months after being diagnosed, but, you know, tragically, you know, died at the age of 59, mm -hmm. which is just, you know, far too soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, we, we've had, we had him on, uh, night callers before. Um, mm -hmm. like I said, we've had quite a few on that have passed on and, um, we do run their shows, um, yearly. We run their shows as memorials because, you know, it's their voice that we get to put mm -hmm. back out there and let everyone hear just how intelligent and how amazing they were. So well, I, I definitely yeah. give you a hand for that and support that wholeheartedly because, yeah. 
Um, there was there was a lot of them that were just great. Um, oh, I did have another question. Think you froze on me or your phone died? <laughs> I think his phone died, maybe. I have more questions. Sir, sir, I have more questions. <laughs> I think his phone died. I am not sure. <sighs> Either that or maybe Zoom froze. It did freeze. All right. So we will see if I can get him back. In the meantime, we can talk about events. Um, okay. So we have some upcoming events. And I'm going to let him see if he can get back on. Um so we have some upcoming events. We have the Texas Bigfoot Conference that we've been talking about this whole time. Oh, and he's back. So just in time while I was talking about the Texas Bigfoot Conference. <laughs> All right, hold on just a let second. Me, let me switch because I'm looking at myself. It's all right. I can see you. Um, so that's all that matters. Okay, did that? Yep. No. Oh. Okay. I can see you. Okay. And hear you. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry. I won't make any funny faces at you. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> um, so, and I, okay. I did want to ask just in case your phone dies in the next few seconds. Um, I did want to ask, are there tickets still available for the conference next weekend? There are actually a few. The problem that we have is that, the capacity on the building is officially at 370, 370 no, 350. Okay. And during these COVID times, we're limited to 50% capacity. So we are limited to only 175 people, and that includes organizers, mm -hmm. speakers, vendors, okay. volunteers. So for Saturday, I think we may have about 10 tickets left. Uh, we have availability on Friday night, which will be a catered dinner. And then um, Cliff Barrickman will be doing a special hour and a half, two hour presentation there at the, at the visitor center. And there are tickets for that available and a few on Saturday. But the really cool thing is that we had, um, and I think you're kind of in the loop on it, but we had a pretty incredible um situation reported to me on Wednesday morning of this week. And we had some uh, discussion with the, the property owner. And then I put some other associates in touch there. Um, Michael Waldy being one, mm -hmm. Logan Kraft being another who went out to investigate yesterday. Yes. And it's again, eyewitness testimony, but it's a pretty incredible story. And uh, we actually have some uh, pretty compelling physical evidence that we're going to show at the conference Saturday after the dinner Saturday night. Uh, we've got uh, videotaped 
testimony of the property owners of what has gone on there in East Texas. And um, also, you know, they went out there and checked things out. Uh oh. compelling okay. evidence compelling yes you're mm-hmm. aware of what we have <laughs> this is okay you have a very nice ceiling <laughs> yeah i got a ceiling fan going on. i'm actually in my bigfoot man cave oh. which is is i can show off a little bit that mm-hmm. i have we should have started lots, with that yeah lots and lots i don't know if you can see the stuff on the oh, back my wall goodness. but uh we've got lots of stuff we um on display here. This is kind of the Boggy Creek corner here. That's um, awesome. You make my Creek, little corner look so unimpressive. <laughs> a Boggy Creek uh, statue here, um, and uh, other Bigfoot statues, action figures, and books aplenty. Um, even even toys. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. But uh, lots of memorabilia that I've collected over the past 25 years or so. Uh, statues, um, posters, paintings, uh, you know, little Bigfoot guys. Um, so we're here in the Bigfoot Man Cave. That's the official name of it here. That's um, awesome. At my desk with all my little gadgets and um, That and keeps stuff you motivated when you're on, under on display. Stress. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, awesome, man. you know, if people, you know, can still get you, can, can still get a ticket for Saturday night, um, I think this eyewitness testimony and the testimony of the researchers um, and the physical evidence is going to be pretty um, mind blowing, actually, to yes. see. And, um, and, and, you know, it's not even publicized, uh, you know, is what we found, what, right. what we've done, no reports up, no videos online. Uh, this is purely going to be shown at the conference, mm-hmm. um, you know, before, certainly before it's uh, publicized anywhere else. Um, like I said, it was a, an eyewitness property owner that contacted me just Wednesday morning. Today is Sunday. So, you know, that's yeah. um, four or five days ago. That's how late breaking this is. And mm-hmm. so we've um, um, decided not to do some of the stuff that we were going to do Saturday night after the, the catered barbecue dinner mm-hmm. by Riverport Barbecue, which is one of the top 50 barbecue restaurants in Texas um, and excellent barbecue there in, mm-hmm. in Jefferson, Texas. They've catered my events going back many, many years. Um, and we'll have that dinner and then we're going to lay out uh, what happened here um, in East Texas about halfway between Dallas and, and uh, Jefferson. So um, that's exciting. It's, yeah. it, it's a really exciting story. Um, I'm excited. I can't, I can't wait. Um, well, you're just going to have to, I know, I know I got bare minimum in like information about it. And I'm like, I, I need pictures. I need video. And I was told no. You can see it it's, on Saturday. It's only six <laughs> days away. Six that's, that's days a long, away. That's a long time so when somebody tells Monday you. Monday night, they have... Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. No, that's days. a long time when somebody has good Bigfoot evidence to share. That is that is years of, of waiting well, for me. 
That's uh, that's not even a dog year, ma'am. Man, that's a long time. Okay, but it, it'll be worth the wait. Um, it'll be worth the wait. Yeah, because if you guys don't know, Michael Waldy is one of the most hardcore skeptics I've ever met. That man could have a Bigfoot walk up and shake his hand, and he would still be like, mm, yeah, mm, that's just not really good enough for me. I don't, mm, I don't think so. Like, he is so picky about his evidence, which is good. Everybody should be yeah. picky. You, you've got to be skeptical. this guy is like, he can have really great evidence and he's like mm, it's not good enough to share no i refuse uh, he is so picky so this is this is huge for him to be a part of this yeah i mean he's <laughs> gonna get up in front of everybody and and pres- you know present you know talk about them going out there mm-hmm. what they saw what they you know what how they felt about the witnesses and then we're gonna play you know and it's i i think logan told me it was an hour and a half video now he's editing it down to, um, you know, all of the most important information to, down to about a 30 minute video. So we're going to um, talk about what led up to this, what the eyewitnesses told us, what, mm-hmm. what they found when they went out there, how they felt talking to the witnesses, you know, because they spent um, yesterday afternoon, not yesterday, Friday afternoon, talking to the witnesses into the evening. They spent the night out there on the property. Um, Last night. Had a couple of interesting things happen. I mean, you know, not anything earth shattering or anything, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, possible activity. And then, um, you know, retrieved this piece of physical evidence that we're going to have on display yes. at, um, Saturday at the conference. And it's actually, I will give a hint here. It's actually something that could possibly provide DNA evidence. Uh, if, if DNA can be collected from this, there's a possibility because this evidence was actually, it's, it's a week old at this point. Um, the, this showed up on their property Monday morning of last week. And, um, you know, it's Sunday night, so it's basically a week old Mm -hmm. and there still could be trace evidence that could possibly, um, be tested for DNA. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're the first public outlet where this has even been discussed. I mean, nobody (laughs) has heard anything about this. It hasn't been on the internet. It hasn't, um, it hasn't been discussed. No pictures have been shown. Um, but this is the first that it's been publicly even discussed. So, uh, if you have the ability to get out here, um, to Jefferson for the conference next weekend, I would advise that, you know, you take every opportunity you have to get in there. Like I said, there may be 10 or 15 tickets for Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you know, if you can do it, we're, we are actually going to try to live stream the event um, live uh, Saturday. And uh, what we will plan to do is to live stream the conference uh, from 10 to five or so. And then when we get around to about eight o'clock that night to discussing um, the um, encounters, multiple encounters on the property and then show the, um, video of the 
physical evidence that we've collected. We are hoping to be able to stream that for people that aren't able to attend or, you know, don't want to attend because of COVID, you know, can't get a ticket because it's sold out because, you know, unfortunately, you know, every year we pack this place out and, and have mm-hmm. to turn people away at the door. Yeah. And this year uh, we're not going to be able to, you know, take any people that show up at the door are not going to be able to come in because we have to maintain the 50% right. capacity, you know, by, um, you know, Texas, the governor has opened up um, restaurants and facilities to 75% capacity, but Jefferson has not opened up their, this is a city owned building that we're using to present in and they are still limiting um, to 50% capacity. One of the, one of the things that may interest people is right now, uh, Marion County, uh, which is where Jefferson is, has lifted the mask mandate. Uh, There are no masks required to go indoors in Jefferson. That's Um, my next question. (laughs) Personally, I'm going to wear a mask because, you know, we're going to have people traveling from, you know, all over Texas, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, and beyond. Right, yeah. Um, So, you know, nobody is going to make them wear a mask, but you know, I'm going to be wearing a mask because I'll be dealing with most of them. And I just want to, I'd rather be safe than sorry, you know? Yeah. No, some people are immunocompromised and they have to wear masks or, um, have to wear masks for their loved ones who are immunocompromised. So, um, not a big deal. So you're saying masks are optional. They're not required. So that's good. We Um, will have, we will have, you know, hand sanitizer stations. (laughs) We're going to, you know, still be enforcing, social distancing people won't be packed into the building like we normally are because you know normally you know we can sell 350 tickets and Mm -hmm. you know we've got the same size venue Mm -hmm. with only uh, you know half that many people so um you know people will be able to be uh socially distanced um to you know people are still going to have to you know when they go up to the speakers or vendors tables, you know, to mm-hmm. go up, you know, one pan, one family or one person at a time, you know, yeah. maintain social distancing, you know, for the, you know, the people that are behind them in line and then, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, be, be kind and polite um, right. and respect people's um, space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that sounds good. I think I'm really glad that you're able to have the conference and pull off there's so many there's so many of them that have been canceled or postponed till next year i mean we held one of the first ones this year august 1st um the fountain monster festival but we you know we had to move it to texarkana because there weren't any venues in falc Mm -hmm. that you know we could we could hold it that they you know they didn't have the personnel to uh, maintain, you know, to sanitize Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, to enforce social distancing and, and, and stuff like that. And so we had to move it to Texarkana, which was unfortunate, but we had, you know, a nice big conference room with, you know, two screens and an awesome sound system to, you know, play Legend of Boggy Creek, the restored remastered version for folks there is just, uh, and added um, attraction, basically, mm-hmm. you know, that came to the to the event that they got mm-hmm. to see uh, because the Perot Theater in town, you know, they 
they had the the premiere of that last year in June uh, when we had the Fountain Monster Festival last year. You know, they played that whole weekend, multiple showings of the of the remastered, restored, you know, with the awesome sound system. And, and you know, we played it there, you know, on two screen, two huge screens with, you know, professional sound system. And, and people got to enjoy it there, you know, after our conference in August. But, you know, we I had to write a special plan to the um, Department of Health, Arkansas State Department of Health. Uh, with a plan that we were going to follow of things that we had to do to, uh, you know, to have the capacity raised because mm -hmm. the the cap on in Arkansas on indoor events was a hundred people. Man. And um, we had a very large room and we were able to maintain social distancing. We were able to, with submitting a, a, a plan of action, we were able to increase the capacity to 66%, which was about 250 people. And, you know, we didn't even, you know, have that many people. We had about 150 people, mm -hmm. um, you know, that were able to go to one of the very first uh, Bigfoot conferences this year. Um, all the others have been canceled except the one that was in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, the weekend before. Right. But, um, you know, since then, um, I'm trying to recall any, you know, uh, in-person conferences. And I, I don't think there's been any since then there's been, you know, some out, you know, outdoor events outdoor, you guys, yeah. you know, went to and had the, the event outdoors in Mina. And then you guys are doing something in Smith park. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I, I guess towards the end of October, towards yes. the end of this month. Yep, Halloween and, weekend, and it's outdoor and, uh, yeah. <laughs> for a reason. So, I mean, There's fresh air, man. I got you know, out, fresh air. Outdoors, you can do a lot of things, yeah. but you know, one of the big problems with outdoors is you know you don't have, um, you know, ac access, uh, real good access to to be able to give you know audio video video presentations, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so you know we needed an indoor venue, so you know that's what we did. But, um, you know, I'm glad to see that some people are, you know, having outdoor events mm -hmm. and, um, you know, because, uh, you know, people, this is, you know, a, a hobby for a lot of people. Some people, it's, you know, kind of a, you know, they're, um, living. they're living for some yes. people. I mean, there are people that, you know, can actually make a living, uh, you know, um, but, um, you know, you certainly don't get rich um, doing this, researching or even putting on events because, no. <laughs> you know, and events of these magnitude are, are, you know, hard to, you know, hard to put on. And like I said, the one thing I'm facing this year is that my expenses are 100%, mm -hmm. but my attendance is 50%. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, um, you know, it doesn't cost me any less to rent the building. It doesn't cost me any less to fly somebody in here. It doesn't cost me any less to, you know, get um, lodging uh, for speakers and, and such. You know, all those expenses are still the same, but you can only have half as many people. So, you know, like I said, we're trying to be able to stream the event to mm -hmm. maybe make a little more revenue and let it be broadcast to people that aren't able to come or, or, or don't feel comfortable coming to be right. able to see the speaker's presentations and this special presentation that we're talking about.
No, yeah, and you know, this isn't the first time you've faced a challenge with no, um, no. this conference. You were talking before the show that after 9-11, you were facing some challenges. So this isn't the first one. This isn't the last one, going to be the last one. So, um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully you're able to make the revenue that you need to or make up for it next year, you know. Sure. Or, yeah. It's, and, it's and you know, the event's already scheduled for next year. Our FALC event is already scheduled mm -hmm. for June 19th. Uh, hopefully back in FALC at the middle school. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we had planned this year, we had planned to move from the community center, which we had to turn people away last year at the door mm -hmm. to using the auditorium at the middle school that, you know, provided twice as much um, seating and attendance. But, you know, like it said, it came down to, you know, with COVID that FALC pretty much shut down. They didn't have any you know, schools were shut down. School hadn't even opened until, you know, August or September of this year. And the event was originally scheduled for June 20th. So, I mean, um, you know, we had to scramble and, and postpone it. Mm -hmm. And then it came down to it still wasn't going to work in Falcon. So the uh, Texarkana Convention Center uh, came through where we using the host hotel, the Holiday Inn there, mm -hmm. um, allowed us the use of um, the conference rooms there. And we were able to have the event and have a successful event. Uh, again, the attendance was down, but, uh, you know, a lot of people enjoyed coming out because they were, you know, itching to get out of the house and go and go to something. Absolutely. And see people and network. Like you said, you know, for me, mm -hmm. um, a lot of these conferences, I get to go see, you know, go, I get to go see my people and that's awesome. And, and, uh, so that's a big draw for me is seeing my people, my friends, and then also seeing some of the live speakers that, you know, um, a lot of them I've had on my show, but there's a few I haven't. And so I want to hear what they have to say, you know, um, there'll be some interesting topics. Yeah. We've got a guy that, um, was actually a member of the Dallas Bigfoot Research Society back in the late seventies, eighties. Oh, wow. So, I mean, you know, before um, I would uh, imagine that you were even born. <laughs> yes, thank um, you. Uh, yeah. Certainly before a lot of us were involved with Bigfoot research, but, you know, they were following up on reports and, and you know, he was the guy that did. Oh. Oh, no. There you uh, are. Okay. We may just be here for a few more minutes, but. Okay. I was, um, I was you know, we're wrapping it up. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's wrap it up before it craps out. Yeah, before we uh, lose all of our battery. But um, I know that you have a great lineup of guests as usual. And there is surprise content, you guys, at the conference on Saturday. There's a few tickets left. And you heard it here first, of course. Um, and, about and Lauren, this great evidence. Lauren knows kind of the backstory of what I it do. is. And, and what do you think about it, Lauren? Like you said, I am I'm excited. I am so excited. I... You guys, I got a teaser. So they were like, yeah, we found this evidence. We talked to this family and we stayed the night and, you know, and they just gave me all this great information, but they didn't show me anything. And I am chomping at the bit here. So I can't wait to see the video that Logan puts out because I want to, I want to see the interviews and I want to see the property and I want to see, because they had a lot of great supporting evidence that they went around and filmed on the property as well. Mm -hmm. That supports the family's um, encounter stories and the family's testimony. So, um, I mean, you can tell from 
the stuff on the video that I haven't seen yet, but have heard about, um, that this family really is having some kind of encounters. And so and I, and I, I think the that. physical evidence that we're going to have on display yes, that is going to blow people's minds. Yes. It's, it's really compelling. The whole thing is really compelling and I cannot wait. And, um, <laughs> look us up on, uh, you know, the 2020 Texas Bigfoot conference on Facebook. There's an event page there where you can get the schedule of what's going on, the speakers that'll be there. Mm -hmm. Um, link to the registration where if you can get in and still get a Saturday night ticket, uh, sat, what Saturday all day at the conference from nine to five. Yes. And then we take a break and set up for dinner, uh, catered barbecue dinner at six o'clock. And then at eight o'clock after everybody's had dinner and time to commiserate and, and, and talk and, and visit and catch up with folks there and talk to the speakers and buy, you know, buy a signed copy of their book or, or peruse all the other Bigfoot related merchandise right. that'll be there from other vendors. You know, then at eight o'clock, we're going to present this story and this evidence. And like I said, it, it just came to me on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, um, it's very new. The evidence was just, um, found on Monday morning of, the, of this past week. So it's, fresh and like i said i'm hoping that we can um get some dna out of it possibly Definitely. quite possibly yeah it because the type of evidence it is um i think it hopefully has a longer lasting type of dna than than we would normally find so mm -hmm. very exciting okay well uh we'll wrap it up before your phone dies but um that'd be good yeah i do appreciate you so much for coming on for sharing all of your 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 information about the conference, your history with it, and as well as your experiences and your thoughts on all of that. I do appreciate it. And I can't wait to see you next weekend. Yes, ma'am. Um, It'll be Friday night is, okay, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. <laughs> Friday night is five days away from tonight. Yes, it is. And, you know, I'm, I'm chomping at the And then you'll still, you'll still be chomping at the bit to see what happens the next night on Saturday. I but, will. I will. I'm just going to... I, I'm not going to sleep Friday night. I already know. I just already know. I'm just, I'm not. Um, oh, and then Saturday night we have the bonfire after the event. And see, the, I'm next, excited. Next I've never been to the Texas Bigfoot Conference, you guys. So I, I'm excited to do all the traditional things that you do. So I am excited. Well, you'll have you. fun. I know. Well, we're, we're all going to have a great time despite exactly. COVID, you know. Um, but thank you again for coming on. And so um, you guys... I will report back after the conference next week. I may live stream from it just a little bit for everybody, all my listeners. Um, just, you know, may live stream with Craig here and a few other people. Um, but I appreciate you coming on and I'll holler at you next week. Okay. See you in a week. Okay. All right. Good night. Good night. Okay. So I wanted to talk about the events real quick. And so these events are the ones coming up, the Texas Bigfoot um, conference, of course, that we just talked about. Uh, this whole show that is next weekend, October 16th through the 18th. Um, then we have the Lost Cryptids Conservatory. That is also the same weekend on October 17th, and that'll be 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. That one is in Michigan. Um, so you can look all of these that I'm talking about. You can look these up on Facebook. And, um, hold on just a second. 
Uh, Logan, yes, I want to ride in the limo as your as the supporter of your endeavor. Yes. Okay. Um, so the Lost Cryptids Conservatory. Um, so you can look these up on Facebook and see the rest of the information about the events. But I wanted to give them a shout out here for everybody to um, just kind of go check it out. It might be in your area. This one's in Dowaglack, Michigan. I probably butchered that, but you know, there you go. It's a free event to talk about monster encounters and more. Um, then you have the uh, 2020 Falk Monster Halloween Bash in Falk, Arkansas. That's going to be at Smith Park, put on by yours truly, Keith Crabtree, Squatch Dogs, and William Lunsford. So that is a uh, free event as well. Donations are welcome, and it goes straight to Smith Park. We have a lot of great things planned. We have trick-or-treating, a pinata, um, costume contest. Uh, the Boy Scouts will be there. We're going to take them on a little nature walk. And, of course, there's storytelling around the fire every night. Um, we really have a, a lot of great stuff planned. And just, you know, networking and sitting around the fire, talking to people, meeting new people, hearing new stories. Um, you just, you learn a lot at these things and you get to meet people that are like you. Also that same weekend, Halloween weekend's big, you guys. So we have the Falk Monster Halloween Bash. We also have the Bigfoot Storytelling Festival. And that one is actually in Oklahoma. It's a, I, I want to say it's in Oklahoma City. Um... And so you can look that up on, on Facebook as well, Bigfoot Storytelling Festival. Um, and that's, that's also that weekend. I think it's October 30th. Um, and if you are, what I'm sorry, east of the Mississippi, you can go to the LBL Meet and Greet. That's at Land Between the Lakes also that weekend. And then the following weekend, November 7th, we have the Boggy Bottom Bigfoot Conference in Colgate, Oklahoma. So that one is going to be at the Colgate School. It's put on uh, to help their robotics program, and they'll have a lot of guest speakers such as Marvin Leeper, who has, you know, been on this show before, a great speaker, a great guy, and he just recently spoke at the Washita Bigfoot Conference and Festival. Um, so he'll be there speaking along with a few others. Um, I myself will be there. There will be vendors set up. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a great time. So I, um, you guys go look up all these events on Facebook and real quick, our next guest, uh, when I get back from the Jefferson conference, our next guest is the Irish Bigfoot research organization. Um, these guys have made a couple movies, very good movies. I would like to say, um, such as the wild man. Um, so I mean, just walking with the wild man, I'm sorry. Great guys. I've actually been in contact with them for a couple years now, and um, they wanted to get a little bit of a few movies under their belt before they came on the show. And so I contacted them again, and um, they've been, I've been very patient. They've been very patient, and now's the time. Now they're going to be on the show. So when we get back, that one will be October 25th, 2020. Instead of 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, it's actually going to be 2 p.m. Due, the, due to the time difference. We're pretty flexible like that. And um, I just wanted to remind you guys to uh, be sure and like and subscribe. You know, that helps me out. That helps me put on a better show for you guys. Also, that way you guys get the content as soon as I put it out. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate your patronage. And then don't forget to go like us on Facebook and join the Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio Facebook group. It's an extension of the chat, so if you can't make the live chat, you can go in there and kind of meet everybody, network, share pictures, videos, all of that. And uh, 
I think that's about it. You guys stay safe, be kind to one another, and I will see y'all next week.